Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to turn with me this morning to the passage I was just referencing, and that's over in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We looked at this last week, but uh, there's more here that uh, I didn't get to uh, last week. And so I want to pick up, and I'm not going to say everything I said last week, but I'm going to go over some of the same scriptures, but there's more here that the Lord wants us to bring out. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore I exhort first of all, the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings, I think you, you, could, you could say especially, it's the inference here, especially for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I especially like the reading of this passage in the uh, uh, English Standard Version. And it's, it's much the same, but, but, but I, I just like a couple of expressions here a little bit better. So reading from the uh, English Standard Version, it says, First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people... For kings, and here's the part that I like, for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceable and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now I did mention this last week and I want to mention again, maybe I can say it a little clearer. There, there are voices in the church, particularly people who uh, are speaking to Americans, but they have more of an international worldview. They're either ministers, evangelists, or people from other nations, or perhaps they're Americans who travel overseas a lot and their ministries are primary, primarily uh, to other nations. There's a tendency to want to rebuke the American church when the American church Uh, seems to be engaged and interested in what's going on in our nation in terms of our government and the governing and so forth. And and the the narrative goes sort of like this. Americans are are spoiled and uh, the American way of life, quote unquote, is not anything that's promised in the Bible. And there are many nations of the world who who have a completely different uh, view and reality in life than Americans do. And, And that Americans, Christians, are concerned about persecution of the church and persecution of Christians. And the, and the thought then follows, we don't know in America, you guys don't know anything about persecution. There's real persecution in other places in the world, which is very true. There is much more severe persecution in other places. And there's been much more pers- severe persecution in times past. And basically the rebuke is, Americans, you need to be quiet and quit being such babies and, uh, and just start worshiping God and don't be concerned about these little things. 
Well, you know, that, that might sound good. To me, it sounds, uh, doesn't sound good at all. To me, it sounds arrogant. Because this scripture here says that we are to pray for our leaders for a reason. What is that reason? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godless, how, how does the, um, let me read this from the, the, from the English standard. That we may lead a peaceable and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. There's this idea that, and this isn't even in my message today, but I mentioned it last week, but, but I want us to see this. There's this idea that somehow the church does better during times of persecution than it does during times of peace and acceptance. Have you heard that? Most people have. Did you know the Bible doesn't, doesn't uh, teach that God prefers the church to be persecuted? And that there's nowhere in the Bible, nowhere does the Bible teach that God's blessings are greater and more uh, freely given or that God responds to the church in a greater way to bless it during times of persecution than in other times. You can't find that in the Bible. Now, history does show us uh, what we already know, that any time you as a believer uh, might be going through anything, God is going to step up his blessing in your life because God's not gonna let the devil outdo him. So anytime the devil moves in a, in a powerful way, we can expect God to move in response to that, but God doesn't prefer us to, to have more trouble so that he can give us greater blessing. That's really absurd. No parent would like to see their child have cancer so that you could love them more. Amen. In fact, go with me, hold your place here. We're gonna come back. Go with me to Acts, the uh, ninth chapter. Verse one, then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, that is the Christian way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, Paul, by his own testimony, said that he imprisoned many of the saints and was responsible for their murders. So Saul was a vicious opponent of the church. He uh, personified persecution at that time. It was great persecution against the church. But God arrested Saul, was his name then, on, on the road to Damascus, and you know the story. He was gloriously saved and turned to the Lord and began to preach. Now, notice what it says in verse 31 of this chapter. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Notice that growth and multiplication come 
came, I should say, as a result of the persecution being put down. Peace came, quiet came, and that's what this verse that we've just read over in Second First uh, Timothy chapter two says, that we might lead a quiet and a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, for this is bad. And it lulls Christians to sleep. And we should pray that we have more persecution so that we'll, we'll really cling to the Lord like we should. No. No. Having a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way, is good and well-pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Now notice the next verse. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? The implication is that when there is peace and quiet and the church is, is being edified and walking in dignity and godliness, that that creates an environment that is more conducive to people being saved than, than, than the atmosphere of turmoil and upheaval in society. Amen. So the idea that Americans are, are soft and uh, spoiled and we should just basically, you know, man up and let, let, let happen what happens because God's going to take care of us. No, people believed God to establish this nation in freedom. We found out that righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness exalted this nation. And we have the freedoms that we have because of God's grace. We are not supposed to give that up. It's not Americanism, though we all, you know, uh, believe in being patriotic. I'm an American, but I'm first of all a child of God. My, my citizenship is in heaven, but, and that supersedes anything down here. But we're down here. Remember what Paul told, you know, back in his day, there was the controversy of slaves and free people. And on one hand, he said, if you're a slave, don't seek to be free. If you're, if you're, married, don't seek to be single. If you're single, don't seek to be married. He gave all of those. He was talking about in the sense of it affecting your service for God. I can't serve God because I'm a slave. I need to give her. He said, don't worry about it. But then in that same uh, uh, group of scriptures, he said, but if you have the opportunity to be free, take advantage of it. Then he says, do not become the slaves of anybody. Because that's not, that's not good. That's not scriptural and God's not in it. So yes, we are to defend our freedom, not from a standpoint of, of whether or not it will, it will um, uh, enable us to serve God. We're going to serve God, live for God and have the victory. It doesn't matter what happens. But we're not going to just let anything happen either. Amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, we are to make supplication, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks for all men, especially for kings and those who are in high positions so that we may lead a, a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. What is? Living a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior and it creates an environment where more people can be saved. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now go with me over to Matthew 
the 16th chapter. And let's look at passage we looked at again last week. But, I, you know, I, I said some things this morning about First Timothy that I didn't say before. So I suspect I'll say some things about Matthew 16 that I didn't say before. I know I will because I got more in me. Matthew 16, verse number 16. Excuse me, verse number uh, 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, the new century version, I like this. He said, the things you don't allow on the earth will be the things God does not allow. And the things you allow on earth will be the things that God allows. Have you ever, I know, you've, I know you have, you've probably done this yourself. You've, at least you've heard people say, you know, I just don't know why God let that happen to them. Now don't raise your hand, I will for myself. I've said that before or at least thought it. I don't know why God let that, how could God let that happen? Well, there's a big hint right here. He said the things that you allow on earth will be the things God allows. And the things you do not allow on the earth will be the things God does not allow. You see, when Jesus was, was crucified, buried, raised from the dead, and ascended on high, the Bible says that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty. I just love that expression. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Glory to God. It says that, that, that he was raised up and seated far above all principality and power. That's good, evil, you know, any realm of the, he was seated far above. He, he was seated in absolute glory, power, authority, dominion, and given a name that no one can come close to. A name that's above every other name that can be spoken, thought of, dreamed of, not only now, but throughout eternity. There'll never be a name like Jesus. And it says that every knee will eventually bow to that name that we hold so dear, that we have on the inside of us. Glory to God. Every knee will bow to that. So Jesus has authority. He said so in the, in the book of Matthew. When, just before he left, he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. And therefore, I'm going to run everything. No, that's not what he said. The next words out of his mouth was, therefore you go, if you put Matthew, six, uh, Matthew uh, 28 and Mark 16 together, he said, therefore you go and in my name you cast out devils, lay hands on the sick, raise the dead, whatever the, the work of God is, you do it in my name. Because yes, Jesus has authority over all, but he has delegated that authority to men in the earth. Because there's something about having your feet planted on the, what, what's on the ground. Terra firma, terra firma, is that right? It's a terra firma. Ter, not terror, terra, yeah. Something, something about having your feet planted on the terra firma that puts you in a, in a place of, 
of, uh, put you into the, the realm of exercising authority that you can't exercise when you leave this planet. Now, if you don't believe that, why did Jesus have to come here? Jesus, Jesus came to save the world. Why didn't he just do that from heaven? Why didn't he just, why didn't God just wipe away all of our sins and recreate and let anybody that believed on him just believe and be born again? Why didn't he just do all of the plan of redemption from heaven? No, somebody had to come here. Jesus had to be here. In order to pay for our sins, he had to suffer here. He had to be crucified here. He had to be buried here. He had to be raised up from the dead. He did this on the earth as a man. And then that authority that was given to him is given to him as, as the son of God, but also as the man. And then he delegated that to the church when he went to heaven because he cannot exercise the full dominion that needs to be exercised from heaven on the earth because people here still have the right to do what they want to do. And so we're here as his representatives armed by, with the name of Jesus and full of the Holy Ghost. Armed with the name of Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost. And Paul tells us then to put on the armor. Amen. Clothe ourselves in the armor of God. Take that, that ultimate weapon, the sword of the Spirit. And go out and exercise the dominion and authority of Jesus himself. And whatever we permit to happen will be what God permits. And what we don't permit to happen will be what God does not permit to happen. Well, praise the Lord. Now, last week we talked, we're not going to turn over there, but last week we discussed the fact that in the uh, affairs of, of the world, there is a, a dual kingdom. Uh, that that works where kingdoms of of men are concerned, where governments are concerned. We don't have time to, it's in the 28th chapter of Ezekiel, you can look it up. But we saw that in over earthly kingdoms, in in earthly kingdoms that are ruled by men on on this earth, kings, rulers, presidents, whatever the form of government might be, that, the, that there's an earthly kingdom, but behind the scenes, there is a corresponding spiritual kingdom. And turn with me over to First uh, John chapter 5. First John 5. Verse 19 is probably not a refrigerator scripture. Probably not one you have posted, you know, a little magnet on your refrigerator, but it's still the Bible. 1 John 5, 19 says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. <laughs> not, not exactly refrigerator scripture, is it? The whole unsaved, now, it's not talking about us because we're not of the world. Jesus said they're in the world, but they're not of the world. We're, we're, not, we're, we're not from here. We're, we're here, but we're from somewhere else. 
Isn't that right? We've been born again. This scripture says that the entire world, that's the unsaved world, lies under the sway of the wicked one. That's the devil. Really, if truth, if truth is told, every human being on the planet, saved and unsaved alike, every human being under the, on the planet is influenced by, by the spirit world. Everyone, every person on the planet is influenced by the spirit world. There are spiritual forces working that influence all of us. We see here that the world is under the sway or under the control of the devil. It says so also in 2 Corinthians or other places, but 2 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about uh, those who do not uh, believe. It says, whose minds the God of this world has blinded, lest they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, then that's all, all unsaved people have their, are blinded. The reason unbelievers don't, don't believe is because their minds are blinded. The enemy has blinded them. I mean, think about it. When, once you're saved, I've never heard of, I've never known of a Christian that, that has had this testimony. Well, I, you know, I got saved and I guess I'm glad I am, but I wish I'd waited a little while before I got saved. Just lived in sin a little longer. No one's ever said that. I mean, the provision of salvation is the greatest thing that's ever been offered to humanity. And people just stoutly just refuse it, reject it, won't believe it, won't cooperate. Why do you do that? Because the God of this world, the devil, has blinded their minds. So every unsaved person is influenced by the devil and evil spirits. Christians are influenced by the Holy Spirit. And if we, because we still have the right to choose to obey or not obey, we can also yield to the devil. We're not under his control, but, but when we yield to him, it, 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 we put ourselves in a place where he's able to dominate us, but we're not supposed to, and we don't have to. We can yield to the Holy Spirit. Oh, glory to God. Be influ- excuse me, be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So there's a dual kingdom Uh, we see in scriptures where earthly kingdoms are influenced by a spiritual hierarchy. And uh, let's go to Daniel chapter uh, chapter 10. Daniel 10. We see here, and if you were here last week, we went over these and scriptures and over in Ezekiel as well. If you weren't here, you can go back and, and listen online. Daniel was, uh, chapter 9 talks about the fact that Daniel had been reading the prophet Jeremiah and he had seen that, uh, that 70 years had been identified that uh, uh, Judah would be uh, under, the, under uh, the dominion of, of Babylon and, and so forth. And that time period was coming up to an end and so he began to pray seeking God. And then a little later on in uh, chapter 10, he said during the, the reign of, of Cyrus, king of Persia, he says that he was in mourning three full weeks. That means he was in prayer and supplication. 
And it says, he, I ate no pleasant food. This is verse three, no meat or wine came into my mouth. So he was on a modified fast for three weeks. And uh, let's just go, we didn't read this last week, but let's just read uh, verse four and down through verse nine to get the picture of what he saw. Now, now he was fasting and he'd been fasting for, for 21 days. And on the 24th day of the first month, he says, as I was by the side of the great river, that is Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold, a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms like and feet like burnished bronze in color and the sound, sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Whew. What an amazing encounter. Can you imagine? You're just, you know, you're prayer and fasting and, and you look up and you see this awesome man, this individual. Obviously, it was a very powerful angel. It says, I, Daniel... Uh, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me did not see the vision but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision and no strength remained in me for my vigor was turned to frailty in me and I retained no strength yet I heard the sound of his words and while I heard the sound of his words I was in a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. He said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the, the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I, now, I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Notice, this angel had been dispatched with the answer. Daniel began to pray and seek God, and on the very first day that he began to pray and seek God, the answer was sent by the hand of this awesome angel. God, God sends the answer the very moment you pray. The very moment you pray. You, I think sometimes we, we, we've maybe left the impression that the life of faith goes sort of like this. Ask and God, you know, he'll sit back and wait a day or a week or a month or three months or a year or whatever he needs to and see if you're going to hang on. And if you remain steadfast long enough, then he'll send the answer. That's not what happens. Jesus said this. Remember this. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Now, the next part is very important. He said, for everyone who asks, receives. Now, you have to balance that out with the word because he also said in another place in Matthew, he said, and whatever things you ask in prayer, what's the next word? Believing you will receive. Now, believing is not all there is to faith. 
Believing is the starting point of faith. There are some other things that go along with the believing. There's speaking. It's not just believe. Faith involves believing and speaking and acting. I'm not here today to give you a faith lesson. But there's a lot of things involved in faith. Believing is the starting point, but then there's the speaking, putting your, aligning your words, and then acting what you believe you've received, and then perseverance. All of that is involved in the great process of faith. But it starts with believing, and you can do that instantly. When you ask him, you know it's easy to believe. I've had unbelievers tell me, well, you know, I'd like to be a Christian, but my problem is I just don't have faith. Well, yeah, you have faith in what you want to have faith in. I, I, just, I just don't have faith that there's a God who created this. So you have faith that this came out of nothing. Well, I like to stick to the science. Yeah, well, what science does that, is, where will you find that event in? What physical law results in all of this coming out of nothing? See, people believe what they want to believe. When someone hears the gospel, they have the ability right then to believe it or not believe it. When you read a promise from God, you have the ability right at that moment, faith comes by hearing, you have the ability to start out in faith right then. So the moment you pray about anything, whatever you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Because he said, everyone who asks in faith receives. That's why, listen, that's why Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, whatever things you desire when you pray, remember he said, believe you receive them. The reason he said you're to believe you receive them is because you did receive them. Did you get that? Believe, that's not, that's not the same thing. He's not saying, I think we think he's saying, whatever you ask in prayer, if you, if you believe you receive it, you'll receive it. No, he said, he'd already said, everyone who asks receives. He's telling you when you ask in prayer believing, then go on and when, the, when it doesn't look like it's that, you go ahead and believe you've received it and you will have it. The reason, I'm gonna say it again, I hope you get this. The reason we are to believe we have received is because we did receive. Just as sure as more sure than the natural world around you. More sure than the sun overhead at 12 noon in the heat of the day. More sure than the love of your children. More sure than anything in life. Your past, your future, more sure than anything is the fact that the moment you simply believe, asking and believing, right then, right then, right then, you receive it. God doesn't wait one, he doesn't wait one iota of a second. It's sent right then. And that's why you're to believe you received, because you did. Well, this answer was sent when, when, when uh, Daniel started praying about on the very first day. I don't know if it's quicker for us. It, takes, it took him a day and it takes us just a moment. <laughs> But the, it's saying the same thing, that when he prayed, God sent the answer. But there was interference in the spiritual realm because the enemy can still interfere in the spirit realm even today. Now, I know that was Old Testament. We're living in the New Testament, New Covenant. But even, remember Paul said he, to the Thessalonians, 
He said, I, I, I wanted to come to you time and again, but Satan hindered us. You think, you think the apostle Paul knew something about taking authority over the devil? You think he might have known a little bit about his authority in Christ? You think he might have known a little bit about the name of Jesus and how to use it? Yeah. But in the spirit realm, there are forces that try to hinder and they can hinder for a while. And that's what happened here with Daniel. This mighty angel had been dispatched. And if we read the rest of it, we don't have to turn over there and read it now, but be familiar with the passage. This, this angel went on to say that, that I was sent from the very first day, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And he said, you know, I, he was actually sent with this answer, but he was also sent to, to minister to the king of Persia. And he couldn't do either because this other evil spirit, this, this demon spirit, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, withstood him. He said, so Michael, one of the choice princes, one of the great archangels was sent to take care of this prince of, of, of Persia where he could then go ahead, minister to Daniel and minister to the king of Persia. So all of that teaches us that, there, that in, in our lives, the enemy can hinder. And when it comes to nations, the devil works to hinder things that ought to go on. It's his will for, they to, for them to go on, but he hinders. And it's up to the church to not allow that. It's, it's up to the church in, in, in France to take care of France. It's up to the church in, in Tajikistan. Thank you. It's up to the church in Tajikistan to take care of spiritual things in Tajikistan and they're not doing a very good job, are they? Because they're taught to not believe. They're taught, well, whatever it is, is. We're just praying that God's will will be done and if, it, and if, and if all hell breaks loose, well, God must have wanted it to happen. And that's why it keeps happening. Thank God there's enough, not all believers, but there are enough Christians in America who know the truth that it is our job, it is our privilege, it is our responsibility. We have the authority, glory to God, and we know how to use it. And we are to stop things in our nation that should not be, and we are to release things in our nation and permit things to happen that should be permitted to happen. And God will act when we act. Amen. Glory to God. Whew. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I'll stop there. I, I, <laughs> I didn't get back to all the scriptures I read last week, but I said more about them, didn't I? Yeah. See, that, that's, I learned that from my spiritual father, Kenneth Hagin. He said, anytime you preach a, preach a message, teach a message, he said, if there's still something on the inside just sort of scratching, he said, there's more there. Go back over those scriptures again. He said, I'll pull out more. And so as long as he keeps scratching, I'll keep preaching. Praise God. How about that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm, 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 mm. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. We are to take our authority. I close with this verse last week, and I'll, I'll just quote it to you again. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. (sighs) Glory to God. I wish I had another hour. Who'll give me five minutes? You know that trick, don't you? I'll take five, 10, 15, 20, I get my hour, yeah. (laughs) Not gonna do that. Praise the Lord. We have a great privilege in our nation right now to stand strong. Whatever you've believed, keep believing it. I've been in too many waiting rooms when the doctor came out and said, there is no hope. And we looked him and said, looked him in the eye and said, thank you doctor for your opinion. We appreciate it. But God's not through. Children of Israel stood on the, on the banks of the Red Sea and there was no hope. Pharaoh's army was breathing down their neck and they weren't coming there to give them a going away party either. They were coming, their soldiers coming to slay every one of them. And they're standing on the Red Sea. There was no way out. I'm telling you that the, the God that split that sea is still God today. He's still God today. He's still the God that raises the dead. He's still the the God that turns impossible situations into glorious opportunities. Amen. So we're supposed to pray. We're not told to pray until we get bad news. Jesus said men ought to always pray and never stop, never give up, never give in. Amen. Amen. Well, glory to God. I think you're getting my message. I just don't have a lot of time to expound on it. So, praise the Lord. Come back. Amen. It's what I love about pastoring. Don't get it today, I'll get it next time. Praise God. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hmm. Oh, mahas dene ish didigandondo, spevedidisk, a again inginin skidando, u shu ashib beva, a a nen sindesta, un ku unun inishtidaha, aha me gejigal goes do as ristendandasi. For I have set you as ambassadors to this nation, equipped with the light, equipped with the name of Jesus, and full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so take your place as ambassadors, ones who are to bring the glory from another realm, those that are set to bring the power from another realm, those that are equipped with the authority of a greater realm. And so as ambassadors ambassadors of Christ, take your place, for you have been sent to this nation for such a time as this. For you're not here by mistake. And it's not happenstance that you know what you know. For I've equipped you yeah. for this purpose to go. 
to go with all authority, to go with my name, to bring heaven to earth and to bring the change. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Glory to God. We'll go as your ambassadors. We'll heed your voice. We'll heed your word, Father. Glory to God and continue to make prayers, supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks for kings and for all who are in high positions. Glory to God that we might lead a quiet, peaceful life in all dignity and godliness. Father, because we know this is well-pleasing to you and in your sight, glory to God, and that you're not willing that any should perish, but you're willing that all come to salvation. We thank you for that. Glory to God in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.